Welcome to From the Mixer. I'm your host, Chris Senegetto. And for my very first episode, my guest is Mike Paldino, magician, mind reader, and conjurer. Welcome, Mike. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. We've actually known each other since we were like uh, 12 or 13. I, I think like 11, actually, if you want to get really technical about it. But yeah, yeah. definitely 12, 13. So. It's been a while. Jeez. Summer <laughs> camp. Yeah, seriously. So... um. What is it that you do? So I am a uh, primarily a sleight of hand magician and uh, mind reader, and then I do, um, you know, I, I do uh, state, you know, smaller stage stuff. What we refer to as parlor magic. Um, so it's it's mostly you know cards and mind reading, and then there's like a whole section of stuff I do that's like my like the more bizarre stuff with sharp objects, like you know, like uh, sewing needles and things of that nature. It's it's honestly it's the sewing needles that. <laughs> freaked me out i watched some videos <laughs> i was like oh my god yeah that's that's the one that like my uh my mother when she she's i think she was in the audience the first time i ever did that live I was in college still in uh she like they didn't know it was coming i didn't tell anybody about it and uh and i did it and she like audibly gasped and this woman sitting in front of her uh like leaned back and was like wow that's really crazy and my mom was like that's my son actually <laughs> She's like, well, what do you what do you think about that? He's like, she's like, well, that's you know, I know that uh, insanity is uh, now in my family, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I gotta do those kind of things to keep from getting bored, you know, and, and plus I like to kind of challenge the audience a bit, I guess you could say. And yeah, where do you come up with ideas for this stuff? Is it just come out of the blue, uh, or some? I mean, some stuff I kind of it's it's different. Um, a lot of the stuff I do is kind of either some based on something older. Or, you know, uh, I kind of come up with an image in my head and, you know, like what I want it to look like. And then it's kind of like, I guess we're like we're kind of reverse engineering how to get to that point. Wow. Uh, like, it, with, like with the needles in particular, I just had this image in my head because there was an old, an old picture of Houdini uh, doing the trick back in, you know, the early 1900s. And there's this beautiful picture of him withdrawing the string of needles from his mouth. And basically, so to kind of give the audience uh, some background here. So basically, in effect... Uh, my version of it, I swallow uh, 40 sewing needles and I swallow like six or seven feet of thread and then I reproduce the thread with the needles tied to it all nice and neat. And, uh, you know, Houdini actually is the one who brought that trick to the, to this country from uh, from India, as far as we can tell anyway. And um, there's a this beautiful picture of him in his biography of him withdrawing the needles from his mouth. And I kind of had that image in my head and I kind of wanted that picture for my own. So it was kind of like this whole journey to figure out the best and safest way to do it and still be able to have this really great kind of suppose at the end of it where it just looks like this wonderful kind of, uh, but like one, like this beautiful, but kind of weirdly violent kind of thing, you know, Yeah. Uh, which I'm, which I'm very much uh, a fan of that kind of thing. Like I kind of like, you know, I don't want to get too far off course already, but like for me, you know, something like that is just as beautiful as you know seeing like a stage illusionist produce a tiger or an airplane or something like there's just something so wonderfully gorgeous about an image that's really kind of sometimes upsetting and sometimes really kind of like in, intrusive on people's comfort yeah and i'm really kind of i feel like i'm gonna get a kick out of that <laughs> i saw that you were doing like a bunch of shows in philadelphia uh, yeah, uh, well, I mean, recently, uh, you know, like this past holiday season, a lot of things there, but if you're talking like the old, like the stage shows, I had a, a couple yeah. of residencies in Philly a couple of years ago, um, which did fairly well. I had one show that lasted about a year and a half, uh, right on South street, uh, at a friend of mine's magic shop. He had a small theater built in the back. That's so awesome. me and a couple other guys, we'd kind of alternate weekends. So like, I did like, I think every second or third Saturday of the month and, uh, and it worked really well because my show was much different than a lot of people. So I was constantly getting this influx of curious folk and repeat audience members, which is nice. Um, so that went on for about a year and a half. And then I ventured out and I had a, a short lived kind of run for about a year in a place called Ruba, which is in Fishtown. Um, and it was like an after hours club. And it was nice because they just, you know, the deal I got with them was nice because I would do my show before they even opened. So I had free reign of the place from like eight to 10 o'clock and then they would open around midnight and, you know, they, you know, they kind of got to build their clientele out a bit, and I got to kind of be in front of some people I wouldn't normally be in front of. And it was, I think it was a really cool experience. So, it's yeah. awesome. 
So do, do you always do, when, when you do these shows, is it always the same show? Or do you switch it up? Um, no, I mean, I try, to, I try to do, at least I was, I was trying to do at least something relatively new every year, year and a half. Um, so like basically I'll put a show together and then tour that material around for about, you know, for the year. And then while I'm doing that, I'm kind of writing the next version of the show. Uh, just because I, you know, I don't want to, I don't kind of want to get stuck in the same thing right. for years and years and years. Cause you know, I get bored myself and I do have a lot of people that come and see me on a repeated basis. I think, you know, I kind of owe those people something too. And plus you, you know, taste change, you know, like this year, I'm, you know, like one year I'm, uh, you know, I've got like kind of like a more like a stranger bent to it. Then the next year I'm, you know, doing more of a mind reading show. And then I have a seance show that I do. So I just like doing different things. I don't like doing the same old thing. Cause again, it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's my, my creativity just keep, like, keeps going and going and going to the point where I think if I thought about things too long without actually acting on them, um, I would just either lose interest or, or make myself nuts because, you know what I mean? Like, it's like you want to do something, you know, it's like you want to do something and then you're on stage knowing that, like, oh, that piece isn't ready yet and I can't do it now. And uh, like I had, a, I had a show this past September at a convention and uh, this piece I've been working on for a while just, just wasn't coming together. And I remember thinking during the show, like, oh, this is where that piece should be. And, you know, but again, you want it to be ready for people, you know. So okay. <clears throat> I try to, you know, um, like straddle things a little bit. There's some, you know, working on something new while I'm kind of getting the kinks out of something old, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just like I'm the same way with the drumming. I'll practice something for a while and then I'll be playing a gig somewhere and be like, yeah, am I ready to pull this out yet or not? And sometimes yes, and sometimes no. And sometimes it, you know, works out flawlessly, and other times not so much. But always kind of yeah. Well, you know, you know, the thing with live performances is, you know, I mean, there's there's conflicting opinions about these things, right? So you have some people who are like, you can't put it in front of people until it's 100% ready, and then there's other people like I, I kind of subscribe to the notion that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that like I kind of want to put it in front of people and let it fail once or twice because then I know a what's working and b what needs to be changed right like i had because you know what happens you picture something in your head for so long and then you get out in front of an audience and it falls on its face and you just kind of like i've had that happen plenty of times where things just don't go over you it doesn't come out exactly the way you see it and then you kind of lose that steam you know i'd rather put it out in front of people and just work it to death yeah you know and, and do it a hundred times and then maybe start feeling like okay this might be close to being show ready like when i have things i do almost on the daily that i've been doing you know the past 20 30 years that still in my brain aren't 100% there but i think that's good too i think it's it's good to not be happy with the with the results 100% because i kind of feel like you know if i if i look at anything and i'm like well i've done this trick like, like the needle swallowing i've done it probably close to 300 times and wow. i still am like i think it's like if i ever sit back and i'm like well this is as perfect as it's ever going to be i think at that point i'll just stop doing it because it's like well you know the yeah. complacency takes over and you get careless and then with something like that you really can't afford to get careless because you know you're you run the risk of hurting yourself yeah, for so, sure. You know, so I kind of like I said, I kind of like uh, I like the excitement of putting something new in front of people, and then again, if it if it fails, it only fails the one time. And the next audience has no idea. You just try it again. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess that's a good way to do it. You know. Yeah, you got it. Although it's never going to get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I even like the the balloon thing, the balloon and the phone, <laughs> and that was a video done a while ago, but. I was like, man, how that? No idea how that, you know, (laughs) how how it ended up in there. It's totally wild, you know. Yeah, it's a great thing. That's a friend of mine actually put that out some years ago, and I ran that one to the ground. Actually, it's something really weird. I hadn't thought about that in so long, and then somebody else recently brought it up to me too a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I got to bring that one back. Yeah, but it's fun too, you know, because it's like you know, a lot of the stuff I do, like I don't walk around with like 40 pounds of stuff in my pockets. You know, like I, I work very impromptu. Uh-huh. So like, I just kind of grab, I kind of grab what's around. And so, you know, there's a lot of places I go where there's balloons ready and there's a, people have phones and <laughs> I don't have to worry about, you know, I got to, oh, I got to pack a pocket full of balloons. Oh God. I couldn't even imagine that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's really a cool thing. I've always been interested and you've always been interested in that for as, as long as I can remember, you've always been into magic. Even oh, back yeah. when you were kids, you know? Yeah, I just, you know, it's weird because, like, I was doing it for so many years, like, as a kid. Like, even, like, when you and I were hanging out and doing all that stuff, um, 
you know, I just kind of kept, it was like my dirty little secret. You know, I kind of wanted to just keep it to myself and have something that, uh, and you know how it was. Like we grew up in North Jersey with some very strange groups and some very, <laughs> not strange, but like, you know, like, you know, we're like, for me, like I know you went to, you went to private school, but I, to public school, but I was in Catholic school. So you had like a very strange kind of um, like conglomeration of di- really different types of people. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I wasn't really into sports. I wasn't really into sports. So um, I needed kind of something to keep to myself. And, and that was really just, uh, you know, my little private thing. And then, and I really had no intention of ever doing anything. And then like the first night of college, um, I went to a party with a friend of mine who I'd met on campus that day. It was literally the first night. It was like a Saturday night. I went to this party and I'm walking around. I'm just bored. And I walk past this room and there's these kids that are playing cards and they stopped playing for a second. I just walked up and grabbed the cards and started doing magic to them with them. And next thing you know, there's like 30 people crammed in this room that maybe could fit like five or six comfortably. Wow. And, uh, and I just brought the place down. And then like this one thing I did at the end, people just ran screaming and I was kind of like, well, <laughs> you know, maybe there, maybe there's something to this. And then that Monday I'm walking to class and people that are at the party or that like saw me walking would like walk past me. Like, oh, that's the guy with the cards. And I, so I went from like completely anonymous in high school to like my, my reputation was made literally the first night of college. It was very strange for me. And where, um, where did you go? You went to Seton Hall? See, yeah, I went to Seton Hall. Yeah. So. Very um, cool. My, that was an adventure unto itself. A good time, though. It's a good time. I'm sure. So. And yeah. It, was it, when did you decide that you wanted to do it for a living? Were you in college and you're like, I want to do this or? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you really decide to do these things. I mean, it's like, you know, you kind of have these illusions in your head, like, Oh, well, this would be wonderful to do this. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't really, cause I didn't, I didn't really like jump out and, you know, jump right into it as a profession. Like I had been, you know, trying to make a career in radio, which is what I had, you know, gone to college for originally. And then I'd kind of fallen into the acting thing. And, um, it just was like a confluence of things that things just weren't working out. And it was like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm bartending and I'm waiting tables and trying to figure things out. It was like, all right, I'll, I'll give myself a year and take t- you know, take a chance on it and see how it goes. And then after a year, the, you know, the money kind of crept up a bit and then it's like, all right, give myself one more year. And then one more year became two more years and two became five, five became 10. You know, it hasn't been, it wasn't always like straight through, but right. you know, it's just, it kind of like helped me kind of, you know, build my name and, and build my chops and kind of figure out how things worked. But um, I never really said like, I think like my dad, actually, we were, I think it was like my junior year of college, we were driving down the, uh, the parkway in Jersey. And he's like, so what do you want to do when you get out of college? And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know for sure. I just, I think I might want to, you know, uh, try and pursue magic as a career. It would be nice, but I'm not sure, but we'll see. And shot to his credit, he was like, okay. And my parents always been very supportive of it. But I mean, like, I'm not sure if I'd have that kind of understanding if I was sending my kids to a really expensive school. Right. Uh, and he was like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, do card tricks for the rest of <laughs> you know, but then, but then people hear that and like people said to me, like, I can't believe you did that. And now you're still paying off college loans and just doing magic. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm happy. So I guess that's all right. That's all that matters, you know? Yeah, of course. And I'm very lucky too. I'm not, I'm not going to try to paint the picture that like, I don't appreciate it. You know, I'm very lucky to get what I do and, to, you know, to get to do what I do and, and make money off of it. Uh, I mean, reality speaking, I mean, there's easier ways. It's not really about making money, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's, and I know it's magnanimous to say it, but you know, I mean, I do okay. But at the same time, um, like I couldn't have just settled on doing something just to have a paycheck, you know? Yeah. Um, like my sister wanted to be a lawyer from the time she was seven years old. She's a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> me, I kind of like, I never had like the easy dreams of being a lawyer or a doctor. You know, I kind of like chose the arts, you know, so I wanted to challenge, but um, it hasn't been always the easiest, but I, you know, I don't think I could, I wouldn't be happy, uh, again, just kind of settling. So like I said, it hasn't always been the easiest existence, but it's, it's rewarding. And it's, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm lucky because I know a lot of people who had dreams and wanted to pursue them and just didn't have the opportunity or expectations had been set for them early in life. that didn't allow them to do that. So, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for it. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome thing. And, uh, yeah, for for ye- for we we didn't talk for years just because we were just so busy with life and oh yeah you know but yeah it was funny I, I guess it was like a couple years ago uh well it was it was for the for the I messaged you about a birthday party and you were like I don't do birthday parties <laughs> <laughs> I, I get like, that a lot I was like what do you mean you don't do birthday parties 
you know and then yeah. and then when i when i checked out your stuff i was like oh man yeah this is why mike doesn't do birthday parties you know yeah i, I get a lot of calls for birthday parties and i've had people um offer me you know like i'll you know i'll be like well they'll, they'll ask you know like, well, what's your rate anyway and i'll tell them i'll pay that and it's like no because like for me like i said like i could easily take someone's money and go and then what's going to happen is I'm going to do things that they're not going to enjoy. I mean, it's not like I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go and do all the, the crazier stuff. And there are, there is like a certain age limit. Like I can, I've done things for, you know, I tell people I can do magic for kids. I just don't do kids magic. So like, right. you're not going to come to my show and see me, you know, like whipping out the scarves and all that fun stuff. Like, you know, I talk about serious things. I don't make up stories. I talk about, you know, I, I equate a lot of my work to, you know, things that happened in my life and I try to keep it personal and more kind of autobiographical yeah. uh, for the most part. But, um, you know, it's like for, for like, for, so like, you know, people in my profession have a, a weird kind of relationship with the public insofar as that, um, you know, people here, magician, they think a certain thing because they know what they experienced as a kid. And like people meet me all the time. They're like, wait, what do you do? Because they just they don't, they've never met a magician in uh, like, you know, in a public setting like that, like just in a random like yeah. hi on me or you. And, you know, so it's it's like a weird it kind of takes people off, off balance a little bit, I think. Um, but like so for me, it's like. If I go to do your kid's party, let's say, because I'm like, well, it's, you know, and it's an easy couple hundred bucks and I'll be I'll be done by one in the afternoon and I'll be set for the week. What's going to happen is I'm going to go and I'm going to give you and your guests an experience that they are not going to enjoy because they expected something else. And then what ends up happening is they never hire another magician ever again because they feel like they got burned and everyone in my profession suffers. Right. So like for me, for me. I'd rather, I tell people all the time, like, you know, no, I'm not going to just take your money. And what I'll do is I'll give you the name of somebody that I trust who can come to your home or come to your party and do something that you'll enjoy. And then when you have an event that I'm a better fit for, then you can call me and then we'll do something. Cause like, for me, like I said, it doesn't make sense to just take people. It's, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're, you're burning down your own house for the insurance money and then you just burn down your house again. Like it doesn't make sense. So, you know, there's an ethic to it. I think I, I try to, try to uphold yeah and not be a complete uh you know because it gets doesn't doesn't make it doesn't help anybody you know yeah i get it definitely so, you know <laughs> it's not to say that i'm sure like you know a couple people i you know encountered in, through my work haven't been traumatized but it's all part of the show so <laughs> you know i've wanted to see your show but the last couple of years it's been uh crazy I haven't been able to but i, I definitely oh, yeah. i definitely want yeah. to yeah yeah, I got you know. I'm I'm starting. I'm finally starting to work after you know. I'm starting to start, yeah, starting to work on uh, kind of structuring something new and trying to put some ideas together. And I'm actually going to try to break my own rule and kind of stick with it for a bit and see, you know, kind of like take the best of and stick them all together. I have like huge factions in my life, like people like up you know up in up in Jersey where we where we grew up. Mm-hmm. It's like people there I've known my whole life who have never seen my show because I've been down in Pennsylvania for so long. Um, and so I have like that kind of demand up there, and then I've got people around here. So. It's like I, I want to have a nice balance of like my favorite classic stuff and then, you know, throw some new stuff in and take that back. And then like looking at the fall, I'm trying to get my seance show back going again. So hopefully there'll be plenty of opportunities now that the uh, everything's kind of weaseling back to normal, so to speak. So what do you do for a seance show? Uh, I, you know, it's I've only done two of them and they were both very different. Uh, the first one, I mean, we, you know, it was, we tried to do them both pretty legit. And I will say that, um, I've picked both spots, uh, the both spots I should say that were picked for me or suggested, um, turned out really well because they were both really well-known haunted places. And so even I was surprised there were some things I'd, I'd say set up, there were some things that I'd prepared to do like presentational wise, just to kind of give people a show, so to speak, because I didn't have that. I didn't have the confidence in just sitting down with people and being able to actually have the experience because it was new to me, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, and then I, I kind of reworked it and did another version, which was much more legitimate. And uh, we got some, and I got some weird things. And I think that's even, I think like, you know, in that setting, you know, you can try to do a theatrical seance and have a good time, but I think it's even better to sit and just wonder like what's going to come of this, you know? And it's not like a, I'm going to talk to your dead grandmother kind of thing. It's just, you know, we kind of, I just, some things that I do that, you know, it's just, it kind of, kind of leave it, it's kind of like reading the tarot. I can only lead people to kind of make their own decisions or their own assumptions about what they're seeing and experiencing. Um, because again, we're talking about like it's a sensitive realm talking with people about, you know, loss and grief and things like that. You don't want to, 
yeah. take people's money and then give them a terrible experience. But so I kind of have a, I kind of have a vision for that though going forward about um, how I want to structure that, and I kind of want to try to do it as a yearly, as a like a seasonal event. So have like a winter, spring, summer, fall versions of it, and do maybe like two or three weekends per season. Because uh, just doing it the once a year thing, it's it's too it's too much fun. Just kind of relegate to the, to October, you know. Yeah. Um, and people people are into that kind of thing, you know. People are real, and especially nowadays, people are real into that. They want to know about things they don't know about, and you know, family's going to give to them. Why can't? Why shouldn't it be me, right? Is it is it like a psychic medium kind of a experience thing, or? No, it's more like. Um, it's you know it's less of like is you know is it like specifically like is my grandmother here and more and more like is anybody here, you know? Yeah. So it's more just like a, it, it's more like a like a mood piece I think if is the best way to explain it. I just I'm you know I'm I'm reluctant to ever say it's a psychic medium thing because then I'm kind of that's a whole different realm of ethics and yeah uh, selling something I'm not necessarily you know like I I tell people constantly throughout my show like there's no such thing as mind reading as I'm sitting there doing mind reading stunts, you know, like it's, right. so I kind of like kind of blur that line a bit, but I also, again, it's, you know, um, like Penn from Penn and Teller, he has a, a great thing that he says in regards to that kind of, like the, the mediumship and the spiritualism thing is that like, you know, if, if your last memory of your grandmother or your parent passing away, like right before they passed away was them telling you how much they love you and how proud they are of you. And then, you go to an experience where you're with a psychic and the psychic is saying, well, you know, this same person, you know, your, your grandparent or your parent is worried about you and the choices that you're making. Now that person is now changing your entire last memory of that person before they died. Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge thing to kind of, it's a huge thing to put on, on the person, but it's a huge power to give to the person who's hosting. that. For I don't sure. want to do that. I kind of, I kind of want to just kind of, you know, let the chips fall where they may and see what happens. And, I think, you know, results are results. And if, if I'm in a situation where even I don't know where it's going, I think it, it keeps it exciting for me and it makes it less of a show and more of like a kind of a shared experience, I guess. Yeah, that's that's some pretty heavy stuff right there, you know? Yeah, yes. I probably think about these, I think about these things way more than a normal person should. <laughs> um, you know, but again, that's true. That's the thing, too, is that like, I don't think, you know, I have, I have a lot of strong opinions in my in about things in my field and is not, uh, you know, I've gotten some pretty good arguments with people, but I'm, I'm very passionate about the things I believe in. And I have a lot of very deep philosophical thoughts about a lot of things. And, you know, I take these things very, very seriously and very personally because it's something I've, you know, I've dedicated my life to. And I, I don't think enough people, I think there are a, a good amount of people in this business that do it. And there's a good amount of people who don't. Like there's a lot of people I meet who they're like, you know, I only people are like I only get I only do magic when I'm getting paid to do magic, right? And that's something I have a huge problem with, because, like, if I'm saying like I'm a magician, right? Like I I do magic, I'm magic, but I only do magic when someone's handing me some cash. Then I'm not a magician. I'm somebody who does tricks for money, right? Right. Um, and I know it's an old joke, but it's true. <laughs> um, for me, like I'm a magician, I do magic, I am magic. So when I wake up in the morning, I am the same person. I am all throughout the day, whether I'm doing magic or not, whether I'm sitting in my house by myself or I'm out at a bar, you know, if people are like, you know, let me see something. Or if I just decide to do something for me, that's completely keeping in character with who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not about, you know, it, it's, I think it's the, the, the people that do magic for money only, or only when they're dressed up and their pockets are full of junk. Um, those people, even, even if they're more successful than me financially, those people are not in the same business that I'm in. Um, cause I'm in the experience of like creating experiences for people, um, not, uh, doing it because, you know, my 1099 says I'm required to. Right. Right. So I could we could have a whole second episode just of me talking about <laughs> pontificating about my, uh, my, my moral dilemmas with my career. But, uh, do you, I mean, I, I think that probably sets you apart from, other people in your field, you know, do you think that's the it, case? It might, I, you know, like I said, I, I do think there are a greater amount of people who maybe think like me or maybe not think like me, but kind of like have those kind of same ideals. Um, because I mean, let's be honest, you know, like, I mean, like show me a magician who didn't want to show you a magic trick and I'll show you a liar, I guess. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like, it's, I mean, I'll say it, I'll say it for sure. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. You know, there's sometimes when I go out when it's like, oh, if it comes up, if it comes up. And then there's other times I'll go out where I'm just totally contriving it. Like, I've got something new I want to work on. I want to see how people react. Oh, I'm just going to stop in here at this local place because I know that on a Saturday night, there's going to be people there that I know. And even if there's people that I don't know, I can still just kind of maneuver my way into a conversation. And then, then just it just takes off from there, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, it's this is what we do. You know, this is, you know, as you know, as a musician, you know, you see a stage, you want to jump on it. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, it's that's my job. My job is to meet people. You know, my job is to engage people. So, like, I, you know, I, I again, I, you know, I think with the people that I'm talking about in terms of like, you know, the only for a paycheck people, those are people that are working nine to five jobs and they do shows on the weekend. And again, that's all well and fine, but it's just not for me. You know, it's just like if if I'm in a place where someone knows what I do or someone doesn't know what I do or finds out what I do. I, there's no way, because I mean, I, I know if it was me, I would sit there and badger the person until they were until I was blue in the face <laughs> until they showed me something. You know, like, show you me know, something. Show me something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People just don't know. You know, people just like I said earlier, like people don't, people don't have the experience of meeting someone. To be, and then when they do, it's just like, well, I just pictured that to be different. You know, it's like because yeah. you picture I'm just going to show up to the bar in, in like a tuxedo. Not that I wear a tuxedo <laughs> when I work, but you know, it's just like people just expect a certain amount of things. It's like, oh, you're, you're a magician, and then birds start flying out of my sleeve or something. You know, <laughs> um, tall top hat. Like, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's a, that weird moment. Where people are like, oh, you're you're actually like a real person, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, but um, and don't get the wrong idea. I'm not trying to like you know, you know. uh, I'm not trying to um, like beat down any people. I, you know, I, I respect everybody in the business as much as I can. It's just, it's again, it's, it's just different philosophies. I think uh, really what I'm talking about, you know? And again, I just like to kind of do my thing. I say show off, but I don't know if it's really the right term to use. <laughs> so do you so. like magician and illusionist? You think it's like the same different? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, that used to be a thing where I was like big on like the branding thing. And yeah. it really doesn't, doesn't make a difference to me. When people say like, what do you want to be called? I just say magician because like, to me, it's all encompassing. Right. Like, so I kind of got pegged for a while there. Like people in Philly just kept calling me a mentalist. And I really wasn't it's just that I was sort of putting mentalism in my shows just because again, I want to change things up. Cause for me, it's like by any means necessary, you know? So like magic is what I do, whether it's a deck of cards or, it's a piece of paper or it's a piece of string or it's, whatever the case is, the, the tools I use are, it's just, it's just the medium. You know what I mean? So like, I don't look at it as I'm a magician or I'm a mind reader or I'm this or that. I'm just a magician and whatever you want to kind of lump into that is fine. Right. So, I mean, I, again, it's whatever people feel more comfortable with it. The word illusionist used to kind of make me skeeve a little bit. And then, it's, like I said, it doesn't matter to me because um, I just do it. It doesn't change what I do or who I am. What is a mentalist? I've never uh, heard that before. Uh, it's a mind reader, you know, um, psych, pseudo psychic faker, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, some, someone whom reads minds. So, like, uh, there's a guy in the UK called Darren Brown, who is probably the most, the foremost uh, mind reader mentalist in the world. He's amazing. Um, so, he would be a mentalist. Um, I could name a bunch of names right now. And you'd be like, like Kreskin. Remember meeting Kreskin? Yeah. He's a mentalist. He, that's mentalism. It's my, mind magic, magic of the mind, mentalism. Hmm. Yeah, I never yeah. heard that term before, before you used it. Yeah. See, I, I just throw these umbrella terms out there because I'm just, it's just every day for me. I forget that, you know, some people are like, what is that? You know, so I, I do apologize for that, for my assumptions. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's that. And again, it's, you know, it's, you know, I, I go through phases where I'm like more into that. It's weird. So whenever I do like a mind reading show or I do more mind reading than slides, so I'm like, oh, I want to go back to doing more slide stuff. And then I'm doing more slides and I'm like, oh, I'm back to doing mind mentalism stuff. And so it's, I'm never really happy, which I guess is why I keep changing things up. So, so, so what kind of, what kind of, if you're not putting together a show, what kind of gigs do you get? Uh, mostly you know, corporate work, private parties. Um, things of that nature. I used to do a lot of stuff. Like I used to, I used to travel a lot more. Uh, I haven't been doing it a lot the last couple of years, but I had corporate clients down and I had a couple in Boca Raton, Florida, just going back and forth and 
Chicago. So it's mostly just like, you know, I go to kind of go to these events and kind of walk around and kind of be their ambassador for their company. Um, it's not like a trade show thing where I'm promoting the company because they're already there for that company. Right. So I just kind of go around and my job is kind of like, <clears throat> at least that's how I explain it anyway, is um, like my job is kind of there to kind of engage groups and engage single people or in kind of bring groups of people who don't know each other kind of together and kind of give them a bonding experience. It's, it's really a lot of the time. And I'll be honest. Um, sometimes it ends up being where I just go and start talking to people and then I'll just show them one or two things and kind of keep moving on. Whereas I think earlier in my career when I was kind of less confident about that, um, I, it was just like, you know, hit him, hit him, hit him with, you know, check, 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 and then move to the next group and then do the same thing, which is exhausting. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, in a perfect world, I would do like an hour long show and then, you know, talk and do my thing and then do one trick, like right in the middle of it and then just keep talking. That would be the entire show and I'd be happy. But <laughs> I kind of like need certain securities in place uh, to make me feel comfortable on stage still. So uh, I, but yeah, that's... I, have a, I have a question for you. Sure. What do you think about, um, and I, I should have written it down, but <laughs> I didn't write anything down. Um <laughs> The uh, what do you call those things where you get locked in a room? The escape rooms. What do you think of that? Oh, the escape rooms. Those are cool. I actually I've been to a few of those in my life. Those are pretty cool. Those are exciting. I like those. I don't mind them. I like I, but I like I like puzzles and things like that too. So it's a it's kind of a, a slanted question. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy those kind of things. Have you ever been? I've never been. There was a my daughter went to a party at one, but I've never actually been to one. There's one right in town, but um, I actually don't even know if they're open right now. Oh, is is that the one that I forget what it's called? It's like down in Doylestown, like right in the center of town. Yeah. Yep. It's like right across, right across from. Uh, there's like a school of rock across there, right? Yeah. They they actually they're not there anymore. They moved. Now it's like a skateboard shop. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Uh, wait the <laughs> the wait, the escape room or school of rock? The school of rock moved. Yeah. The escape oh, okay. room's still in the same place, but I'm, to be honest, I'm not sure if they're open now or not. The science I actually, I actually, uh, true story, had approached them a couple of years ago about trying to work together on something, um, and then all this, you know, all this stuff started going down, so it kind of fell apart. But, but yeah, I, I've been in that building a couple of times actually. They're cool people, but I think like you know, I go in with these weird kind of half baked ideas, and people just kind of look at me like what? Like I had this idea when I when I first moved to Bucks County, uh -huh. um, out in uh, Newtown, like right on the, on the main road, there was this. Uh, it was like a. Um, like a dress shop right so the whole front window was glass you know we had the mannequins and stuff right and so it had closed down it was closed down for about a year or so so i had this idea in my head and i actually approached the uh the building manager and he was cool with it but the landlord was not uh, which is a shame i think it really would have been really been cool but i had this idea where i go into a woman I'm like look i want here uh, here's what i do and i want to do this show where like so basically um the show would have been a thing where like you would get a ticket to the show right and then the day of the show, you get emailed the address you'd go to. So it's like a total secret. And then when you showed up to the shop, I was going to do the whole front window to look still like the clothing store. So you saw the mannequins, the dresses, and then there'd be a curtain behind them. So you couldn't see like beyond the mannequins in the window. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you would, you would go in and then you would you know, take your ticket and then there'd be another curtain and you'd walk behind that curtain. And then that's where the show would be. Right. So I love that idea of like completely secret, like people would be walking by this place not even knowing what's going on inside. And I just think that's a really cool thing. Um, and I was, uh, I was really close to getting that done. And then uh, and that just didn't work. And then I kind of had a similar idea that I was bringing to, uh, to get to the escape room in Doylestown. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of get, you know, it's, it's hard enough, I guess, selling what I do to people, but when you're selling them this really kind of weird, artistic, strange idea that's kind of planted in your head, it's, 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 it's sometimes a challenge to get people on your page, but then when you do, it becomes really rewarding because then they start kind of like seeing like how that excitement builds and it, it becomes a really cool thing. But, you know, it's like, I, I think of these things that, you know, when I can't sleep at night, it's like, I have to kind of make them happen, you know? So I don't know. Like I got this one piece of my show where like, I just literally wrote it. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just thinking about something. I'm like, well, this could be interesting. And then it just, it ended up being this huge piece of my show. So it's just, you know, inspiration comes from weird places, but then it's like, it's just not, I can't just like wave off an idea. I kind of like, well, I have to see how this looks uh, yeah. and see if it's as insane in person as it is in my head, you know, and 
then you get things like, you know, like the, the opening of my show is just very strange and people just don't know what to think of it sometimes. And I'm okay with that. So, and no, I can't, I can't tell you any more than that because it would just ruin. You got to come see it. And, exactly. Ooh, how, how's that for a plug, right? No, come see it. It's much better if I don't tell you about it. That's like the whole, that's like the, the my, my, my kryptonite when people like, they'll see me do something and then like 10 minutes later, like, oh, do that trick where you, and then they just give away the entire ending. It's like, well, <sighs> I'm not going to do it now. No point now, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. You know, so. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So, if uh, have you ever run into anybody that that wanted to be a magician, that you know you gave them advice or helped them along? If if somebody yeah. asked you, what what would you say? Um, I was. I'll, I will tell you what I tell everybody. Like, I get parents all the time who are like, "Oh, my kid's kind of into magic. Or, you know, they'll buy him a trick." Um, you can go and buy like you know a bunch of tricks at a magic store if they still exist. Um, you can do that, sure. I think the best, the, the advice I give everybody is, is you know buy books because, um, you know I have books on my shelf that I've had literally for thirty years, and I can open. I, I know that I can open any number of them, and find something that I've either never seen before, or something that I saw and it didn't fit me at the time, but now it fits me. You know, it's like I could constantly go back and. And look through books and there's you know there's a joke in magic you know if you want to find something you know keep something a secret put it in a book so you can always find some really weird gem in a book um but again you know it's you know spending 30 bucks on a book that's got 100 tricks in it versus um you know buying one trick and then it's like all right well then i gotta go spend another god knows how much money on this other trick and then it could be garbage it could be gold you know the important the 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 thing is, like with the with that kind of thing, you take the garbage and you make it gold. You know, like I've bought plenty of things that have just been bust, like a bust, and I just threw them in my chest, and then, like ten years later, pull them out. I'm like oh, I can do this with this because my knowledge base has changed. Um, but I'd say def- definitely books. You know, and it's a shame too. Like you can't go to Barnes and Noble anymore and find a lot of books because I mean, there's yeah. a lot of old magic books that were long out of print that were then reprinted by this company company called Dover, um, and I mean they're books you couldn't get for years, and then they are reprinting them and. They're classics of magic and h- literally hundreds of tricks. I mean, because like the explanations are like a paragraph long. It's like, well, you just do this and do this and that's the trick. And it's like, all right. But then you just, you need to figure it all out. But I mean, that's, that's where like everything is. And that's where the gold is. And you can really sit and kind of study and take your time with it. Um, do you know, you know any, there's a, there's a, hmm? sorry, do, do you know any, any names of books off the top of your head in case anybody's listening and wants to. Well, I would say, I mean, if you're looking like, um, like kid stuff, uh, like things for like a kid starting out, uh, there's a magician called Joshua J. He's, uh, he was a young guy from Ohio. He's, he's amazing. I actually just hung out with him at a lecture a couple like months, I mean, a month or two ago, I guess. Um, really, really prolific in the field. And he puts out a lot of good stuff. He's got a company called Vanishing Inc., uh, which is a really high caliber professional site. Um, but he put out a book, he put out a couple books. He put out a uh, was it called like Magic the Complete Course I think it was called, and then he put out a book last maybe a couple of years ago called um, what was it called Oh God Big Tricks for Little Hands or Big Magic for Little Hands, um, but it's got some again it's got some really professional caliber stuff in there, um, you know and easy things too it's not like a a knuckle he's he is a sleight of hand like he's a he is a, a knuckle buster but all the stuff in the book is not out of anyone's reach it's all really good beginner stuff that also has kind of a professional quality to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So I definitely, definitely check him out. Um, you know, the, the classic is always like the Mark Wilson Encyclopedia of Magic. Um, and I can, like I said, I can go on forever, but, but definitely, you know, like the, uh, the Joshua J book is definitely uh, a good spot because it's got card magic, it's got coin magic, it's got magic with everyday objects, which is something that I love to do because, again, it's feel like walking into a restaurant and I can do like 40 minutes what's on the table, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it's really, it's really a, a good, well-rounded book. And then from there, it's, you know, from there, it just, it just kind of snowballs because people, you know, what ends up happening is you find something that you like, and then you kind of want to see more of that kind of thing. And then you just, next thing you know, you've got, you know, I've got, you know, you've got a pretty, pretty big library of books and endless amounts of information at your fingertips. It's nice. Do you remember, uh, I know you grew up in New Milford, I grew up in Fairlawn, but do you remember uh, Ken's Magic Shop? Do you remember that place? Oh, I used to live at Ken's Magic Shop. Yeah, I, like I used to actually, I worked there. You know, I, I would work there during during Halloween. And then uh, Bobby, who was the uh, the house magician, he would, you know, he was. I actually still talk to him on Facebook too. But he was like my foil. He was a funny dude. But uh, but yeah, I was there almost every day, all the time, all the time. 
when I was a yeah. ki- when I was a kid, kid, you know, like uh, eight years old or something like that. Because it was two blocks from my house. Yeah, and I used to go up and hang out there all the time because I thought it was the coolest place. And it was actually the first place that my parents let me go to by myself. I was like, I don't oh, know, yeah. you know, because it was like right in the highway. And I was like, I'm oh, going to yeah, yeah. walk to Ken's Magic Shop. Like, okay, be careful. I was yeah, like seven, eight or something like that. So I was driving through, um, I guess a few months ago, and it, it had the, the sign was still there, but the building was empty. Oh, you know what? I, someone just told me. I think they, they moved to, uh, to Pompton Lakes, I think you said. Pompton Lakes, all right. Yeah, I yeah, was so like... Because... Yeah, I was like, no. Oh, yeah, no. That place is never going anywhere. Um, yeah, I think it was Ken retired, and then Shelly, who was his uh, co-manager, bought it from him. And then they were they were in Fairlawn for a couple more years, and then, like I said, just found out they had moved. So, but yeah, they're still around. That's now, awesome. That place again was, I you know, I would go and like buy tricks from him, and then sometimes I would just like kind of borrow stuff from him just to kind of like play with it and see if it's any good. But, um, but yeah, that place was like my home away from home. I was like, what, what do you got for me today? And then, you know, I just spend more money that I didn't have. And, and, uh, that was a wonderful experience. That place was great, man. There's, there's, there's a lot of places that are like that around anymore. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, but then you got, you get the places like in New York city that I would go and frequent. And those were always uh, a good time too. It was a whole different experience though. But, um, yeah. Like Ken's, Ken's, Ken's magic shop is awesome. And I was um, oh, yeah. driving by that place. I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. How, I mean, that place has been there forever. I don't know how long it was there, but you know, my entire oh, yeah. life for sure. Oh yeah, I think forever is definitely the. Uh, I think well, Ken, you know, Ken himself, he was a very established magician, and then he retired and started the shop. But um, but really? yeah, he had a he had a leg. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Like you know, for years you, know, you go to these places, and uh, it's just like, oh, it's Ken. He's the old man behind the counter. He's great. He's gonna rent me a Halloween costume and sell me a magic trick. It's great. But then, like, you know, as I got older, I was like, oh, like, Ken's actually, like, uh, a well-known guy. Actually, it's really funny because uh, my – so my mother's cousin um, is really who kind of got me into this when I was, like, seven or eight, I guess it was. And because uh, he he was a full-time – he was a restaurant magician. And I didn't realize that he was as established as he was in the uh, – in the, like, in that New York scene. And I remember he introduced me to somebody who um, – this guy, Derek Dingle, who's somebody I studied for years. This British guy is amazing. And he was – renowned in the industry for um not only coming up with these really technical routines but he would come up with these routines like just to fool magicians and there's these ridiculous kind of weird endings where he'd have like the backs of the four he'd produce the four aces and they would change color and then the entire deck would change to a completely third color it's like it's like you didn't even see it coming it was amazing but but he introduced me to him you know probably like in the you know mid to late 80s when i was with him one time in new york city and I had no idea who this guy was. I'm like, oh, it's my cousin's weird British friend, who, you know? And then, like, a couple of years later, I was like, oh, that's the guy that... And then, you know, you figure out, you're like, oh, you know? So huh. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like your, your dad was friends with John Lennon, and then, like, 20 years later, you realize, like, oh, Jesus, John Lennon had things to do. Yeah. But uh, that was pretty eye-opening. That's wild. Yeah. I think it's weird, too, because, again, like, I, you know, there's people in, in my business that I look at, like, gods, and they're just these amazing people. And then I, I just meet them at conventions, and now we're friends. And it's like, it's it's a weird dichotomy, you know? Because like you said, like you is. grow up, you you know, you're growing up, and you're like, these people are like, yeah, it's like before. It's like it's like when people meet me, they're like, oh my god, he's a magician, he's a real person. And then like I'll meet somebody, like, oh my god, he's like a, you know, like a real person, you know? Yeah. Um, my my college roommate was a huge fish fan, and I mean huge. And now he lives in New York City. He's like friends with Anastasio from Fish. He's like he he goes running with the guy like on a daily basis. I'm like. <laughs> It blows my mind, but you know, yeah, just what happens, I guess. People have lives to live. This is true. Well, yeah, yeah. Tangent. I, you can edit this part out. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've had that experience. I, I took lessons with uh, one of my favorite drummers, and uh, it was, it was a, uh, you know, every time I would go to his house, it was like this, you know, just for a split second. When I pulled into his driveway, I was like, this is so weird, you know, like I can't believe him taking lessons with this guy it's crazy who who's that uh russ lawton he's uh okay. actually trey's uh solo band the trey uh trey band it's his his drummer yeah oh no kidding yeah all right yeah, yeah and that's that's what so that's weird that like and again i'm i'm shocked when i saw that you play drums out because i was 
I used to do you as a guitar player. So how did how did drums happen? You know, it's I was I played guitar to like my early twenties, and then I stopped for like a year, and I saw this movie, uh, the Dream Krupa story, and uh, there's something about the way he played and what he was playing. It was like really the first like drum drum solo ever, you know, like sing, sing, sing way back in the 40s. And uh, I was like, man, I really want to do that. So actually, it's how I ended up in Pennsylvania. I uh, I wanted to play uh, in a rockabilly band. And there was this place, the Blue Comet in Glenside. And I would drive down here from North Jersey. And uh, eventually, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta move here. You know, this is where it's at at the time, you know? So, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and then were you in Fairlawn still that whole time? I wasn't. I, I lived in, um, I went to Virginia for like five years. Okay. Had an automotive business, played a little bit down there, and then moved back and I lived in Elwood Park for a while. So, okay. Right next door. Interesting. Yeah. Going back to Bernie so counties now is weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know if I don't know if you have I don't know if you experienced that. And even with my kids, we were up for the like the holidays or whatever and and uh, we're driving down the road and 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 my son's like, There is a lot of cars on the road. I was like, Yeah. It's, yes. It's Bergen County, yes. we're fifteen minutes from New York City, you know. Yeah. yeah. I I I don't you know, I still have, I have family up there, so I'm up there I say all the time. I I'm say I wouldn't even say like regularly but certainly like you know on the high holy days and whatever yeah. i'm out there and it shocks me because like uncle i mean aside from the uh the garden state plaza being its own district right now it's <laughs> that place just gotten bigger and that's ridiculous how big that place has gotten but um like it's weird because i'll grow i like i'll drive around like I, i'll drive around like my old neighborhood like where i grew up my old neighborhood it is in the suburbs i'm making it sound like i'm you know, in, my, in my hood you know um Camden but uh yeah, I lived in Clifton for two years outside of college. I'm like, maybe that's my hood. But you know, in the in the uh, in the you know middle class uh, burbs of New Milford, New Jersey, um, I actually I actually drove through there, and I kind of and it was weird because like you know I grew I mean you've been to my house like it yeah. was a quiet little street like right on the edge of Dumont and it was like you know like nice suburban little homes and everything was fine little families, and I I drove through there and there, first of all there was like solar panels everywhere on like all the the lighting fixtures and the electrical poles it was really weird and then i'm driving around the street and there was like a house that was it was just two houses that were um condemned and i'm like i don't i don't this wow. isn't my neighborhood and, and it's and it really freaked me out and i started like really having like arguments with myself about this and like has it really gone gotten to that point since i've been gone or was it always like this and i didn't realize it because i was there every day you know because you just like you get those kind of like you know the rose colored glasses thing where you just see yeah. something it's just normal, you know. You didn't think about it. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with the. Uh, it's just you know gotten crappy since I left. But I mean, I I moved out of there. My parents sold the house in nine. The summer of '99, I guess it was. Wow. Um, and then I was down in uh, <clears throat> living in like the Tom's River area with them for two years, and then back up to Clifton, and then back down there, and then like I, I lived in the same house till I was 22, and I haven't stopped moving since. It's it's ridiculous. Um. <laughs> But I, I like it down here. It's not so bad. It's quiet, and I have, I have three kids, and they have—they're in a good school district, so for sure, I can't complain. Yeah, yeah, not so bad. I, I can't picture myself ever going back to Jersey. Like, I, not that I—not that I'm against it, but I just there's no like reason, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's all right. But I mean, if you ask me if I ever saw myself, you know, uh, living my uh, my midlife through the, you know, through in Pennsylvania, probably would have been hard pressed to. Uh, say yes to that one but it's, it's not so bad honestly. it's not so bad i tease but it's actually it's actually kind of nice I, I like it i like it down here it's quiet so it's it's funny that we that we ended up in the same area yeah you know? <laughs> yeah i remember when you popped up on my facebook and i'm like what's he up to and i'm like holy crap like you're like right there and and i know i keep saying this to you but i just i think it's hysterical because like and again maybe we're just going like to inside baseball here but like I remember when we were in high school and I remember you coming home with your ear pierced and your mom flipped <laughs> out and was going to like kick you out of the house. And then I saw you with, with, with all your, all your tattoos. And I'm like, Oh my God, like his mom's going to kill him. You know? <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's the same with me too. Like, you know, 
it's it's funny you because know. when you were when you're talking about the show and renting out uh, a place that had a you know looked like a dress shop and everything, it, it made me think when I got my first tattoo, I was like, I don't know, like sixteen or seventeen. I think I was sixteen, and it was in New York, and tattooing was still illegal in New York. And um, so I found this place. I mean, you know, I'm 16. I'm underage. I, I, I found this place in the back of a magazine, and it had had an address. So I go to this place, and it's an art gallery. You know, it was okay. it was oh yeah, it was because it was still legal in New York, which is weird to me. Right. But yeah, and, yeah. and uh, so like I went in, a 16 year old kid. I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm here to get a tattoo. He's like, oh yeah, come on in the back. You know, and it was like literally like that. There was like this curtain, you know, and he pulls back the curtain and there's like this chair there. And I'm, you know, like having second thoughts. I'm like, man, this is probably a bad idea. But yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no good, no good ever. No good idea ever started like that. But, <laughs> but it didn't never end up bad either. That was like me too. My, my first experience with, you know, the tattoo was like, and I really had no interest. You know, because I'd gone through like getting my ears pierced and I had, you know, I had a little my hair and then I had my eyebrow pierced at one point. And none of that stuff ever worked for me. And then I remember my mom called me one day and she was like, because my, uh, my sister had at this point moved to Florida and my brother-in-law had just moved from, he was living in Sweden at the time and like moved here to marry my sister. And uh, she calls me the one day and she's like, well, they were out celebrating his moving here and uh, they got tattoos. And I was like, well, I'm not going to, I won't be shown up by that nerd. You know, so I, mean, I got like, you know, the, the stereotypical, you know, like I have the Chinese symbol for something on my leg and then, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just get one more and I'll be good to go. But, but like every time I've ever made a deal with myself, you know, I'm like, well, I get one, but I probably wouldn't get more than one. And then I, yeah, I get, you know, I, my leg is okay, but I'd never get on my arm. Then I got like, the second one I got was on my arm. And I was like, well, I'll never go below my elbow and I'll never get one in color. And I'm just like, now at this point, I'm just like, I don't care. It's just, here's a picture, here's some money, just do it because it's just, there's no point in arguing with myself anymore. But, so, you know, I, I don't even know how many. I think it's like maybe like thirty-eight now. I think I don't know. Wow, it's so cheesy to talk about them. I don't know. A little. Some of them are just like so little and stupid. Them, like, they all make sense. You know, they're all like thematic. I guess so. I th- not like. A, hmm? I think it's also way more like accepted today than it was back in the nineties. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, I know this. I know this girl. She's a, she does like um, like the suicide pinup stuff. Mm-hmm. And she just went and got her neck done. And she's just, and she's like this cute little five foot nothing girl, you know. And she's, you know, she's very, she's not like, you know, she's just, she's just a little thing. And she just went and got both sides of her neck done. I'm like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, like that thing is like, you just know, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I, I got, I got my neck done probably like 15, 20 years ago. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, is I got the one side done in Fairlawn, actually, screaming ink. And, I've uh, got to work then. I, yeah. Got a couple pieces there actually, and I I got the one side done, and I'm like, all right, that, that really hurt. I'm just gonna get the other side done now, so that way I just get it over with, you know. And that yeah. was like my logic at the time. Twenty yeah. years later, it's like, <laughs> do we regret or are we just giving up? Who knows? No, no. Yeah, I I, I tore at the idea sometimes of getting like a little sump on the back of my neck or on the back, like on the side or like under my ear. And I was like, you know, I I've gotten a couple on my fingers, and I I got those with the uh, the express. Uh, warning that they would, you know, rub, you know, they'd fade away over time because your skin. And I was like, all right, cool, because this is a fed, and I'll just grow out of this. So I don't want my fingers anymore. And it's like 10, 12 years later, they're still clear as day. I'm like, ah, son of a bitch. You know? <laughs> but uh, but I, I don't, I don't regret any of them. I, although getting my finger down on the inside of my finger, I will say, uh, in the moment, I was kind of like questioning why I would make this decision. But, um, but you know, live and learn. So, exactly. and again, like I said, they're all. All mine are like all thematic between like my work, my family, and then like my mortality, as I say. It's like, you know, a lot of like words and lyrics and strange foreign languages. My artist keeps laughing at me though because like I'm slowly building into my ditch, I guess. And she just makes fun of me because she's like, you know, a real man would just get it all done in one fat, one big piece. I'm like, yeah, but that's not, I'm not a real man, I guess. So I just like, (laughs) I'm like, that is. Just throw some shading in there. I only cry minimally this time. She's fine. No, she's cool. She's she's awesome. She I met her for like one thing, and she owns like ninety percent of my left arm and the majority of my left leg at this point. So that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, she's great. I think she's, uh, she, not to go hmm? off on like a tattoo tangent, but I think that like uh, you know some people will stick with one artist, and some people will get multiple. Uh, like a friend of mine's gone to like a lot of. Uh, 
conventions and stuff and and he's like i I want this done by this person and this done by that person and has it specifically you know like written out who uh wants stuff done by you know yeah you know to be honest with you um i never had the intention of having like an artist let's say and i've gotten things done by different people um even like recently since i've been uh going to her um but like and it's weird because it, here's what happens. If I make arrangements with somebody else, it either doesn't work out or it doesn't work out or like it really doesn't work out. Like I, had, I had this appointment for like two years and it took me forever to just to get the appointment. And it, it just it was just a long wait. And then it was only a couple of months ago and I drove all the way down to his shop. And when I got there, there was nobody there. And I was just standing like an idiot waiting for like 20 minutes. And then finally I looked on his Facebook and the guy had gone to California. And I'm like, Oh, like just, nobody nobody called nobody which again you know whatever it's an oversight but it's just that the kind of thing like when i when i go off books so to speak things like that happen you know so i'm like, just like i'm a creature of habit so i'm okay sticking with it uh, which sucks because he did like he does a really good lettering i was kind of wanting some stuff there but but um no but like the, the thing with it too and this is the crazy part is that it, if it at least at least for like my for like the left arm my artist lauren has done so much work on it that i almost feel like I'm being like I'm cheating on her if I let anybody else put anything on it. If that yeah, makes sense, it does. Um, she actually, and, and you know, she actually said that the second tattoo I ever got, um, I had a very specific idea. I had the picture. I brought it in, and the guy did it. And I think I was in denial for the whole time because it didn't look nearly as good as it should have looked, and I was just really not caring. And then one day I was getting some work done by her, and I was like, "Hey, you know, how would you feel about touching this up and fixing it because it just doesn't look the way I want it to?" And she's like, yeah, the next time you come in, you know, bring the picture. And I'm like, well, I could, I'll let me show you what it's supposed to look like. And I had the picture on my phone still, and I opened it up. And uh, when she saw it, like, her lip quivered, and she's like, sit down. She literally made me sit back down, she drew me with a Sharpie, and then just went right over it. And I'm, when I tell you, it's like a completely different tattoo now. And it's like, and now it really puts out there, like, how terrible it looked before. So so I trust her with anything. I'm like, you know, if she tells me something sucks or looks better, then I'll just take her word for it. Just let her do what she wants. So. That's that, that's fantastic. I'm I'm always like iffy about approaching an artist to cover up something or fix or touch up somebody else's stuff. You know? Yeah. Well, some yeah, some people are really weird about it, but I mean, like, I think there's a difference if I'm like walking in there if I'm if I'm seeing this person on a regular basis versus if I just walk in off the street and I'm like, hey, I want this covered up. Um, sure. I actually just got like my first official cover up about a month ago. Um, just because again, it was a poorly done piece and the ink was always falling out of it, so she cleaned it up nice and. Still says the same thing. It's just much larger now. So, it's funny because well, I was actually like the last tattoo that I got. I was like contemplating because I still have that very first New York City back of a art place tattoo, which was this like <laughs> it's embarrassing to say, but it's like this ninja star. You know, I was yeah. you know because you're a kid and you think that's cool, and uh, yeah. And I still have it. And every once in a while, I think about covering it up. But I'm like, it's like the first one I ever got. It's like kind of part of, you know, who I am. Yeah. Like my history, you know. It's weird to, it would be weird to cover it up. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, too. Like with the first the first one I got was a little Chinese symbol. And, and I had thought about it a couple of times. And I was like, you know, no, it's part of the story. And it like, it, you know, it's not. I Sometimes I forget that it's there, but it's okay. It's, it's just like I said, it's on my ankle. It's no big deal. But uh it was more like a test to see if I could put up with the pain because I'm not really, uh, I'm not really, I, I, you know, I say that I'm not good with it, but I've, I've actually had artists tell me I'm a, I'm a really good sitter because, um, because I just don't wince around a lot. Well, we've really gotten off topic here. I'm sorry. Actually, I was, I was, gonna, I was going to say it's funny that you say that you don't sit well when you're swallowing needles and stuff, you know. Oh no, I do sit well up in the hole. I'm okay. very good at that. But yeah, yeah. But it's like you know, it's a different thing. It's like a you know, like I have a, I have this thing I do where I with an acupuncture needle where I just like push it through my hand, and it's weird again because that's like of all the things I do, that's like the realest of the real things that I do. Yeah, because uh, it's actually happening, and um, it's like you know, I've, again, I've done it like dozens of times, and it doesn't ever feel good. Necessarily, it doesn't hurt. But it's just a weird kind of sensation. And it's like, it doesn't matter how many times I do it. It's always like a weird mind game. You know, it's like, it's, it's just, it, it's always like a weird thing, like putting sewing needles in my mouth or doing that kind of thing, you know, because it's just like anything could go wrong. You know, like you see people yeah. all the time that hurt themselves. And like, there's a, there's a, there's a thing that people do. It's a, it's, there's different versions of it, but it's basically referred to as like Russian roulette or stab it, smash and stab. 
where like, and I'm sure you've seen it too, where like you have like the magician has like, looks like five paper bags and in one of them there's a spike and they mix up the bags and they slam their hands down and hopefully like avoid the spike. Yeah. And you can, you can go on YouTube and look up like spike trick gone wrong and see plenty of people who have not taken the proper precautions that have been lazy and they slam their hands on like live TV will slam their hand right through a spike. Um, and people and magicians are, you know, there's a lot of magicians who are like, oh, it's, uh, you know, it's unnecessary, it's dangerous, blah, 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 blah. I can tell you in my, I mean, I've been doing shows professionally since I was like 19, I guess. Since then, I have done versions of that trick with the spike, with a butcher knife, with a nail, uh, staple guns, every, all sorts of things. I've never once ever stabbed myself or shot myself with a staple um, in the neck or in the head where I haven't pointed um, because I take a lot of precautions to make sure that. I don't hurt myself, you know, uh, because I know that if I, if I'm lazy, then I, I can, and I likely will hurt myself. I think the people that you see that hurt themselves are just kind of like, they're like, well, I'm in charge and I, you know, I, I know how this works, so I'm not going to hurt myself. And that's when they get flashy. I always look at it. Like every time I do that, this could be the time when you shoot yourself in the neck on, on stage and look like an ass. Um, and so it's because I take these precautions that I don't get hurt. So it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I'm never irresponsible with what I do. I'm very careful and I study things and, you know, I map things out and kind of figure things out and, uh, you know, figure out the best, safest way to do it and still make it entertaining and look mildly dangerous, I guess. So the first time but, that you put a needle through your hand, how nervous were you about that, man? I, I, I don't, I don't think I could do that. I, I, yeah, honestly, I, like, I, 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 I have a, I have a cat that has diabetes and I have to give it a shot twice a day and that freaks me out. And the needle's like, you know, tiny. It still freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was a lot of trial and error. <laughs> and it was it was one of those things where like, you know, I, I I had known about it for a long time and then I just thought it was kind of like a I thought it was what's the word I'm looking for? I thought it was like a like a like a like a rumor or an old wives tale or something. Like I didn't think it actually is possible. And then I met somebody who could do it. And he taught me how to do it. And I remember sitting in my house this night, night after night trying to get the nerve up. And I ordered, you know, I ordered a bunch of acupuncture needles and just trying to get the nerve up to do it. And finally one night I, I decided to do it. And uh, this is like when my, my oldest was about to be born. <laughs> she was like a week away from showing up. And I'd gotten home from work late one night. I was like, you know, let me just give it one more shot. And I put the needle through and it got to this part in the middle of the hand and it hit this nerve or something. And everything went black. I didn't pass out, but I got really nauseous and like fell off my couch onto the floor. And I'm like, this is exactly how I need to be found uh, on the floor a week before my kid is about to come. Like, I just, this is perfect. You know? And then one of the times when I, was, when I was learning, I hit a nerve in my hand and my finger went stiff and I couldn't get the needle out because I couldn't, you know. So, you know, it's trying, it's not always perfect, but it's, that's why you have to practice these things. Uh, and now I just don't even think about it. I just do it, you know, and it's, you know, and you kind of, you know, build up. And then I started like kind of maneuvering around the body and trying other spots and things. And that's a lot. Man, that's, that's a lot to handle. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> I never could either. I, I I don't know how sometimes. I'm like, sometimes even I'm like doing these things and I'm like, why? Oh, that's right. Because you're bored. You want to entertain people. No, it's, it's not like that. It's not the most normal thing. But again, it's like, you know, there's certain things that I like to do that just kind of, like, there, like I tell people, there's there's a lot. There's most of my magic is for you. There's a couple that are for me. That's one of the ones that are for me. Uh, because again, it's always like a thing where people are watching it. They just they're so convinced that it's it's fake, and then they just there's a certain point to. And I I'll have to show it to you someday. But there's just a certain point where reality really hits people, and it's it's a, you people get these visceral reactions. And I just love it. I mean, love it. <laughs> I love I, I I love strong reactions. Like I I've had people run away from me, scream. Like you've seen some of my videos where people are like, yeah, you know, going nuts. And that, that's it, it. Kind of kind of become cliche, but for me, it's a huge compliment because it's just it's just gut wrenching. People, you know what I mean? Because people are like, oh, you do card tricks or you do magic. Like show me something that my grandfather showed me. Like oh, you're gonna pull a quarter out of my ear. And then you do something like that. It's like you know, or like do like a like I'll like unlock somebody's phone, you know, and you know, guess you know, divining their password. And uh, and just that people just the jaws drops. They, they just don't know what to make of it. It's just like just watch. You just watch the emotional change happen in their face. It's amazing. And sometimes like it's really hard sometimes to kind of stay in character 
you know, because you just gotta you just gotta act like this happens every single time you do this, you know. And meanwhile, you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I got I got I got I had holy water thrown at me once by an old lady. So you don't know how to react to these things until you're in that situation. Wow. And then just kind of run, yeah. But again, it's like you can't buy publicity like that, you know. So I'll take it however I can get it. <laughs> That's wild, man. Dude. <laughs> so. But yeah, I mean, you know, someone doing something, you got to come see her. I'll, you know, make my way up to your hood and uh, we'll go out and I'll uh, just light some folks up and have a good time. For sure. That would be yeah. fun. Sure. All right. So, any, uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, anything else you want to know? I think, that's, haven't, uh, I think that's about it. <laughs> All right, cool. There's plenty of, there's plenty for you to edit out of this conversation. <laughs> I know. I'm, here, but I'm sure, but. I do. I do no. I do no editing. It's just, it's straight out. I, my, my, my mixing is adjusting sound and, and straight out. And I feel that's, you know, uh, my awkwardness, whatever it's, it's, uh, you know, that's how it is. It's like a little picture of life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm very flattered to be a part of it. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you. You know, I, I, I I appreciate what you do and 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 just your your dedication to it. You know the fact that it's it is your life is is awesome. You know there's not a lot of people walking around that that can say that about anything. You know really. Yeah. So well, thank it's you. it's very cool. So if thank somebody you. wants to check out your stuff or book you, where where would they go? Uh, they can go to Mike Paldino with P A L D I N O dot com. And from there, you can uh, send an inquiry through my uh, contact page. You can subscribe to my newsletter. That is absolutely not spam because it's just like show announcements and news. And maybe send one out once or twice a year, if, if even that much. Um, there's links to my Instagram and Facebook and all sorts of you know, and videos and photos and things like that. So check me out there and you can send me a message and follow me on some social media, something or other. And then come see the show when there's a show to say. Awesome, Mike. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, man. It's good talking to you, and we'll uh, we'll catch up on a more social level soon, right? All right, sounds good. I right, have a good night. This episode was sponsored by Drum Lessons by Chris, and you can find me on social media at Facebook Chris Senegetto, Instagram C Senegetto or email me directly at ccenegetodrums at gmail.com.